Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Ow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. Okay, let's do this thing. How you doing, what the fuckers? Welcome to the show. It's our uh, Monday show. If you download it on Monday, if you're downloading it later, well, you missed it when it came out, but that's okay. On the show today, we've got uh, you know, a nice change of pace from my fucking shit is uh, you know Eugene Merman, one of the great absurdists of his time. And then later in the show, we're going to be talking to Matthew. Uh, I know some of you miss Matthew. I, I am uh, on the fence. I, I think I missed him. I don't know until I see him, but, but we'll see. And we're going to talk about the movie uh, Where the Wild Things Are. Isn't that what it's called? Where the Wild Things Are. And Brendan also saw it. I, I personally thought it was spectacular for a lot of reasons. It's a real movie. It's a real art movie. It's a real visionary piece of work. It's a real grown-up movie. I really wonder how kids react to that movie. Uh, so we'll have a conversation about that. And we're going to have a conversation, hopefully, try to get my father on the phone. Because, you know, after our last conversation with his big idea, someone sent me an email... And it turns out that uh, I think someone's stolen my dad's idea. And I think that uh, my dad should know about that. So we're going to try and get him on the phone in a bit. I am very grateful to everybody who came out to the live taping at UCB in Los Angeles. Getting a lot of great response for the live show. Hoping we can do another one next month. I've got it on the book. So it's really up to me. If I get my shit together to get another live show together, we're going to get another live show together. You can go to WTFpod.com for all your WTF podcast needs. I got some merch up there. There's a link to new merch. And also, I want to say thank you deeply to all the people that have been donating to keep this podcast going. All the people that have been signing up for the rolling donation of $10 a month. That is a subscription donation. I am working on your T-shirt orders as we speak. They will be slightly different than the ones available on the site because I have to make them specifically for you. I got a million things to do, and all I'm thinking about is how am I going to get the subscribers the quality T-shirts that they deserve? I want them to be nice. I want them to be American apparel. I want them to be the color of the What the Fuck podcast, that turquoise color. I want the logo to look great. I will send some stickers in the envelope, too, because I'm getting stickers made. I'm pretty excited. I've never had stickers before. But as I said, it's all new to me, and I'm out of my fucking mind. I mean, how the fuck do people do this on a day-to-day basis? I don't know how people manage their goddamn lives. I just don't even understand it, and I get a lot of emails about it. I've managed to stay outside of the regular workforce for a long time because this is the life I've chosen for myself. I don't have any issues with the life I've chosen for myself. It's a difficult life. I'm not feeling sorry for myself. I've had a lot of great experiences. I've done a lot of shit. But let me tell you, you know, just in dealing with the, the responsibilities that I'm dealing with now and, and making sure we get a good show and producing a good show, yeah, I'm just I'm almost out of my fucking mind. And I really don't know how you people do it. I don't know how you people go into work every day sometimes. And I think you are the real heroes, you know, just by virtue of the fact that you, you got to do what you got to do. But just day in, day out, you got to suck it up. Don't overreact. Do your job. Act as if nothing is wrong. Don't hit send. Keep it to yourself compromise just put your head down and do what you got to do i would go fucking nuts i mean you you people deserve a fucking reward for not exploding every goddamn day i i don't i really don't know how you do it i'm getting a lot of email from you folks just about how how when i present things to you and the frustrations that i have in speaking my mind that you feel that as well but you're not in a position to express it you know there ought to be one day a year where we could just walk up to the people that have been driving us crazy, 
you know, every other day that year and just go, shut the fuck up. What the fuck is your problem? Just fucking, you know, leave me the fuck alone. One day a year. How bad would that be? But, you know, those kind of words have power. And even if you had that one day a year, they would never forget that because people in power or people with positions that uh, are supposed to be powerful or people who are ahead of you or above you in the work chain are little Napoleons that are just after control. And if they have a little bit of it, they abuse it. And there is no way around that. I've never experienced it being any different, no matter how noble or how earnest or how good the person pretends to be. And I want to expand the idea of this show. I want it to be the five W's. I want it to be, you know, not only what the fuck, but who the fuck, where the fuck, when the fuck, and why the fuck. I'm at this point in my life where just on a day-to-day basis, moving through the world, dealing with other people, getting on a train, doing the work that needs to be done is filling my life. It's filling my mind. I, I read an article, you know, recently in the New York Times magazine about anxiety uh, it was a big cover article on anxiety about, you know, you know, is this is this uh, the, the culture of anxiety? Is if is this the age of anxiety? And this is one of those articles where where I had sort of a light bulb go off in my head. This guy, Jerome Kagan, did this 20 year research study, starting with babies all the way up to when they were in their late teens and their early 20s, because he was of the belief that anxiety is learned, that it's behavioral, it's, uh, it's a nurture versus nature thing. And then after 20 years of observing, you know, babies who were, were reactive, he called them a high reactive, had a high reactive nature uh, when they were born, that they eventually became very anxious people. Now, anxiety, if I can read from the article, uh, clinical anxiety disorder, of which there are several forms, panic, social anxiety, phobia, obsessive compulsive, post-traumatic stress, and uh, a catch-all called generalized anxiety disorder. Taken together, they make anxiety the most common mental illness in America, affecting an estimated 40 million adults. And I'm looking at that list and I'm like, those are all my hobbies. This is my day-to-day life. I don't know where the hell people have time to watch TV, to take in movies, to TiVo shit, to look at YouTube videos. I mean, I am old school with my entertainment options. For me, it's dread, panic, and revenge fantasies. That's where my brain goes. That's where my imagination goes. That's how I find satisfaction. And now I find that I'm among 40 million people that have this disorder. And on some level, it's, it's a relief to me. It's a relief to me that, to know that when I'm going, why the fuck, when the fuck, who the fuck, you know, what the fuck, where the fuck, that that is a common experience that 40 million people have. And it's just what you do with it, I think, that really makes a difference as to the quality of your life. Because if you're one of those people that's saying that out loud everywhere you go, eventually you're going to annoy and alienate people. And they're going to be like, you know, why the fuck are we hanging around with that guy? Because his, you know, what the fuck, when the fuck, where the fuck is just tedious and annoying. And he's draining me and I don't want to have anything to do with him. I don't know if you've had this experience, you know, where you're invited to someone's house for dinner and you speak your mind. And everybody is really taken by it and they're excited and, and uh, you know, maybe a little put off, but uh, generally provoked by what you had to say. And then you're being walked to the door by the host and. He says, look, we really appreciate, uh, you know, what you had to say, but you're, you're never coming back to our house. That's my life on some level. So how do you filter that? There's a frustration that, that even the things that you rely on don't pay off. They don't do what they're supposed to do. I, my biggest problem in my life, one of them, is that I tend to believe people and I tend to believe in things. 
It's just my nature. I, I guess you could call it a sucker. Maybe I'm a sucker, but I sort of have child's mind about that stuff. And I, and I take people on their word and I believe when they say they're going to do something for me. And I'm really always disappointed. And I'm, most of the time I'm frustrated. And, and how can that not lead to fear? But the experience I had the other night is, look, I've been through, I've been living in Astoria for, for years and now they've built two bars, one on either side. I have two bedrooms in this apartment. And I'm sweeping in the small one in the back because it was quieter because they built this horrendous Euro fantastic cafe that is open till like four in the morning. And they play this very strange music that has a beat that I can't quite quantify. It's like. It's like, uh, I don't know if it's Euro hip hop. I'm not sure what it is. So I started sweeping in the back room and now there's this Croatian bar or some Baltic. uh, It doesn't matter what it is, but they're playing some worse version of that music on a back patio. Very loud. It's like 2.30 in the morning and it's raining out. So that patio is not even open. And this music is blaring. And they're literally during the song. I couldn't believe it. During the song, there are like, you know, a facsimile of like air raid sirens. Like, and I was like, I can't fucking take it. Am I going to be that guy? Look, all summer I said, look, it's late. These people want to party. All right, I'll sweep on the couch. What am I, what's my recourse? Because I knew, I, I assumed that, what am I going to walk down there, walk into a bar where, where nobody speaks my language, go, yeah, in my bathrobe and slippers and say, hey, look, I'm trying to get some sleep. Uh, can we turn it down a little bit? I, I don't know what would happen, but I'm not the guy to do that. So last night, because I put up with it all summer, I called the police. I called the police station. You know, thinking that maybe, you know, they could send a car over just to say, can you turn it down a little bit or close the back door? No one's on the patio. I mean, you know, what the fuck? Just, you know, have a little respect. I call the police. I go, listen, you know, I live over here in uh, the corner of this and this and that bar around the corner. It's 2.30 and they're blaring this music. And, and he's like, yeah, I, yeah, I know. And I'm like, okay. He goes, well, you know, you got to, you know, you got to take into mind. It's New York City. And I'm like, I know where I live. But I mean, don't people have to sleep? It's like, I, but you know, that's what, you know, this is, uh, this is New York. And I'm like, listen, officer, help me out. He's like, hey, look, it's the weekend. What are you going to do? I, I don't know. I guess not call you. What am I going to do? I'm going to go blow the place up. I don't know what I'm going to do. Sweep on my fucking couch again. You've got nothing for me. I just got to put up with this because this is New York City. I mean, what happened to having respect for your neighbors? What happened to getting some sleep? He's like, look, I don't know. You know, it's New York. It's the weekend. I'm like, I get it. He goes, hey, look, you know, if I, I'll see if I can get a car to go over there. I'm like, okay, yeah, why don't you see if you can do that? And I slept on my fucking couch. And I got, I, I still heard the music. And I seethed for a while. It's very hard, man. It's very hard. All this stuff stacks up and there's no place to rest. And I see it leaking into culture all the time. I mean, like I'm in my car sometimes and I just change lanes and people shoot a look at me like there's some sort of competition going on or I just fucked up their day. And I'm seeing that look all the time. And I don't know how to to make it better. But I did have this very, you know, very specific, almost poetic moment on the train where you start to realize, like, if I just get out of, out of my own head and 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 be a, a a decent person for just a second and not sit there you know just fuming or 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 being like a dispenser of negativity like i'm just sitting on the train and when you live in new york you're on the train a lot and there's a lot of people on the train from everywhere giving you swine flu that's another thing i can't god damn it i mean I, there are people getting the swine flu now do you know anyone who's gotten it i knew I, some guy i talked to on the phone he's like i had the swine flu and i'm like oh my god and i thought i was getting it over the phone 
I, I hung up the phone with him. I'm like, holy shit, I don't feel that good. I'm probably getting the swine flu. That's not the case. So I'm on the train, just sitting there in my own head, thinking like, ah, oh, fuck, this is fucked. This is bullshit. But then I have those moments where it's like, you know those moments where you're on the line and you're looking at people and you could go either way, like, you know, oh, people suck. They're all fucked. What a bunch of assholes. What a bunch of selfish, fucked up people we are. We, we, this is a disaster. The jig is up. Civilization is over. Our culture is bankrupt. These people's priorities are fucked. I hate them all. And that's just like really just one, one notch away from like, oh, look at all of us. We're, we're, we're lost here. They're, they're, we're sad, tragic animals that really just we did the best we could, but it wasn't enough. And, and, and it got away from us. And, and we're all in this very sad and tragic place trying to coexist on this planet that is just hurling through space without a hope in the fucking world. It just, it's one notch. And what happens is I'm just sitting there and this woman wants to sit down and she's huge. And you know when you see somebody who, who's huge or, or, or physically challenged somehow and you know they're conscious of it and you know that it, it's always just under the surface of, of how they feel about themselves and, and how they fit in and how awkward that is. And, and she wants to sit down and she's like, you know, starting to back in next to me, back herself into the seat next to me. And she's like, excuse me. And I, and, and, it, and it, it, how can it not be awkward? And, and she just, you know, plops down on the seat and, and everyone's got to move over. And she just had this look of like, you know, like I hate it too. And don't fucking judge me. And I, I just fucking, I just can't, you know, and, and I just, I just looked at her. I said, it's no problem. It's okay. It's no problem. And she, she had this weird moment of like, you know, gratitude and relief and her being just sort of relaxed for a second. And it was that simple to make somebody, you know, feel like they were okay or feel like that it wasn't a problem for just a second. You know, that just courtesy. And, and it made me feel better, too. And it was easy because, you know, my first reaction or the one that could have happened is like, oh, fuck. All right. All right. But no, like, it, it's, it's really no problem. It's okay. On the other hand, don't get on the fucking car singing like we were expecting a show. Could you not do that? I mean, I understand times are tough, but I don't need the pressure. And I, your interpretation of that old spiritual is fine. But I just, it's like, I'm just trying to get from place A to place B and not feel like an asshole and not lose my fucking mind to have you singing and I feel guilt. And, and don't sit next to me if you, you, you wear too much perfume or you stink. Or, you know what? I'm, I'm taking away from the moment. It's all okay. It's fine. It's really okay. Don't worry about it. All right, well, this is exciting. My guest uh, in studio, by the way, the Air America Studios on the off hours where we are illegitimately taping our podcast. And I appreciate you coming down, Eugene. Sure. I appreciate you, uh, you know, going through the, uh, the barricade of codes and secret doors to find your way to this studio under, under the radar. Eugene Merman, as many of you know, is a, uh, a raconteur, an entrepreneur, and a stand-up comedian. And a showman, a general uh, P.T. Barnum of all that is absurd and cutting edge. Uh, his new CD is called... Um, 
It's called God is a 12-Year-Old Boy with Asperger's. And his book is called... The Will to Whatevs. And he's also... I have a Eugene Merman bag, and uh, I did his Eugene Merman... What was it? The Eugene Merman uh, Palooza? Comedy Festival. Yes, the Eugene Merman Comedy Festival. And I got to be honest with you, the swag was high-end, man. Those um, those headphones? Yeah. What were they called? The uh, Skull Candy. Skull Candy Full Metal Jacket headphones. Yeah. Those are good. Yeah. You can use them for uh, I, uh, uh, your BlackBerry microphone, yeah. and also you can use them as earphones, regular earphones. They would be thrilled to know you were talking about them. Yeah, I sent them an email and said, could I have a bunch of free headphones to give to comedians so that they talk about them on the air? And they were like, absolutely. And I can I can support this product. Yeah. Will, you, will you tell them that I said that? Uh, I absolutely will, and no one else responded. Really? But they did. Are, uh, you, are you still in contact with them? Do you have a friend sure. over there? Uh, no, I have... <laughs> Why are we talking about a headphone company? But I met them at South by Southwest. They were like, if you ever need headphones, let me know. See, that's the difference between Eugene and myself. Eugene saw an opportunity in a chance meeting at South by Southwest with a headphone manufacturer. I would have said, like, well, what makes them so fucking good? You know, and... Uh, they, they gave me some, so I knew already they were pretty good. Oh, I would have said something like, so this is what you do with your life? You make headphones? <laughs> <laughs> and she would have said, no, I promote headphones. And, I have and, no idea how and they're I, built. And I, and I would have said, so you're like a publicist for a headphone company? Is that she, what and you And she want? would have said, yes. And she said, it's called marketing, but yes. And I, and I would have said, that's what you do with your life? Does that satisfying? And, and she, she would, would say, maybe. <laughs> so, Huge, you're headed over to do the, uh, the taping of the John Oliver stand-up special series that I did last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're heading over there now. I, yeah. I thought you were supposed to be there. I had to be there at like 2.15. They let you, what, are you special? I, it's, I'm assuming they're not making everyone show up at the same time. But yes, I'll be late. Oh, okay. Well, I but don't want to be super late. I'll just be, uh, no, no, no I'm, I'm supposed to be there at 3 something. Well, don't you have to, I would think that you would have to get there earlier than most people. Because I have all these contraptions. Yeah. No, what I instead am just simply late to a podcast <laughs> because the printer, because one of the three printers in the home wasn't working. Oh, really? And, uh, but we got it all set, so I printed some killer bits that I can hold up See, for America. It's so funny that you know me well enough to know that the shots I take at you are coming. And that uh, when I have the slightly condescending tone about your need to have many different objects, yeah. at least you're not doing a Dimitri, uh, Dimitri Martin. He used to walk into the comedy cellar with like a skateboard, a guitar, an easel. And, and you, you know, you're, you do uh, pictures. And, I just have some pictures. I don't have an easel. Are you going to be showing pictures on a screen tonight? No, I'm just going to hold them up. I'm, I'm DIY. Oh, I don't want to use electricity. And that's why people love you, man. What am I talking about? Uh, yeah, I'm going to hold up little pieces of paper with hil- hilarious social commentary on them. I like them. I've grown to like you a great deal. Thank you yeah, <laughs> very much. Yeah. I mean, it took a little uh, time. Am I, am I the person who is some slightly successful, but you don't uh, have, like, anger towards? Yes. Well, I mean, I could find the anger towards that. But, you sure. Know, but but I, I, I tend to realize now that some people need the relief that you offer them. And, 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 and then some people need the relief that I offer them. And that's how I look at our job. We're much like doctors. Right. Do you feel yeah. that ever? Do you feel like, yes. you know, I'm doing a service? I feel, so is, is what you are is you're helping people cope with just the sheer blackness of life. Right. And the sort of despondency of divorce and just, uh-huh. and then I make people go like, it's true. Banks are really weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you're probably ad- attracting a much more well-adjusted young person, whereas I attract people who are like, I've had it. I, You know, I've just fucking had yeah. it. You attract the people who are 
uh, too kind to become, you know, bo- suicide bombers. Right. Yet right. pretty upset at the system. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't I don't mind those people. No. They, they make me bake goods. And exactly. They... I've been with you when someone's like, here's some cookies. Thank you for everything you've done. Yeah. I think that's great. I, I do, too. I enjoy the cookies. Yeah. Now, we've had this ongoing thing now that's happening. And, and I and, and there's part of me that wants to continue it out of spite. And there's part of me that wants to talk about it openly as a real issue. I I uh, have gotten a couple emails uh-huh. uh, addressing the fact that I refer to my Jewishness too frequently. Now, I have been a guy that really fought with the idea of ever talking about being a Jew on stage, okay, uh-huh. because I didn't know how to do it that wouldn't be like, I'm a Jew, I sit down, look, I'm, I'm eating something that Jews eat. Hey, right. look at, you know, Jews do this, we're all smart, and you people are dummies. And I never did that until I found a way to talk about being a Jew, but not really, you know, necessarily loving Why? It. Why are people upset by that? Because they, they think it's uh, it's redundant that, you know, why do I have to keep saying I'm a Jew? And, and they literally get annoyed by Are it. they Jewish or no? Or I'm assuming no. Yeah, judge, oh. Judging by the emails, it's like, look, I like Mark, but enough with the Jew shit. So, you know, I'm not sure how to take that. Now, you – what's interesting to me is you and I traveled on the road. We did 11 gigs. It was me. Uh, you and Andy Kinler. Yes. And I will tell that story uh, in a moment. But you do not come from a middle class Jewish background where you have generations of of, uh, of Jews. You have the whole, uh, you know, the move from Eastern Europe to... Uh, to uh, Wait, I don't have that or I do? Well, you don't have it in the sense that, you know, you're not uh, like, like, I'm like third or fourth generation. Right. Like, you know, we still hear the stories about, you know, your grandfather used to carry things on his back for no money and feed people with... Eh. Right. But... But your your family was in Russia, and you came over recently. Right, right. Yes, no, those people in my family were killed by Hitler, so I don't have them. I don't know if that's Touché. better or worse. So um, I, I guess then let me rephrase that. My family, I guess, was smarter than your family in leaving Eastern Europe before the shit went down, yes. whereas you guys went ahead and took the hit. Well, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure that... If people knew what was coming, they would have totally bailed. I think it was really that it was a blitzkrieg in many ways. All right. My, um, my apologies. But yes. Uh, um, the, but uh, what's the question? Why are we such awesome Jews? Yeah. Well, the question is, is that uh, it, what's interesting about the difference is that you don't come to the table with all this baggage of of uh, oy in, yeah oy vey and the immigrants and the yiddish and uh, right. you know uh, your father had to your grandfather broke his back in order to make your life easier and well yeah but i think it's because i come from a place where it was like my mom was the one jew that got into like university her year because like in russia yeah in russia because there's like uh they legitimately don't like Jews in a very real way where like you're prevented from working in places like she worked for a guy who like as she says quote like took in Jews like it was just like a computer or like you know like yeah, a, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, an engineer and but, this was in the 70s probably. yeah yeah exactly so he was a guy who like took in Jews in Russia in the 70s so it's not like you couldn't have a job you just had to find a guy that was like no I don't mind the Jews a lot a lot of them taste great <laughs> sweet soft skin well do you remember Russia uh no i you know uh all i literally and this is true remember is the smell of black currant Really? Yeah, because smells, I guess, are very powerful, and we apparently had blackcurrant bushes in our dacha in, in, in Russia, and I actually thought there were blackcurrant trees because I was so tiny that I just assumed there were trees where I was like, blackcurrant, just, it's what? bushes. And how old were you when you left? I was four. That's amazing. And I was 82 when I arrived. Wow. So much life lived. 
Black current bushes is what you remember about yeah. Russia. And and the ironclad fist of communism. <laughs> <laughs> that and constantly people redistributing all my toys. <laughs> That's all I could recall. Did, have you gone back? You did, right? No, but I really want to. In fact, if anyone listening is very wealthy, can I have somewhere between three hundred and six hundred thousand dollars to make a movie of going back for the first time? That's uh, and also you can donate to uh, what the fuck at uh, wtfpod.com, and I'll I'll try to add a button for Eugene Merman's movie project. I have to figure out how to do that. Maybe I should just have a donation button where you could fund my trip. What's the idea for the movie? It's just that I go back and cry. <laughs> And, really? and, and do a show. I, I go back to Russia, maybe do a show. Though it's funny because I've watched some Russian stand-up on TV. And, uh, not on TV here, but like on the internet. And it, and it is just so like weird and goofy and not uh, at all what I do. Could you, so I don't could know. you please, if you could, uh, Eugene, in, 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 indulge me. Could you, do, um, could you say, hey, I, I'm really enjoying this Diet Coke in Russian? Мне очень нравится это Diet Coke. That's very That's easy to awesome. do. That's awesome. And are, did someone tell me you're playing a Russian mobster on something? I am on Delocated. I play a Russian mobster slash stand-up comedian. So I'm trying to kill John Glazer, but really I want to do comedy. So when these things happen, because you were on Fly of the Concords as well. Yeah. And do you ha- did you do some more of those? I mean, I did a bunch of the episodes, but not, I'm not in it a ton, but I'm in... Yeah, you know, like half of them and now you're bit. in this show. Yeah. So you are, what did people just call you up and go, hey, uh, we need you to do a thing with the yeah, thing. That is exactly what happens. And also in both shows I play, in, in you know, Concords I'm Eugene, and then in, in Delocated I'm Yevgeny, which is Russian for Eugene. Eugene sounds better. Yeah, well, it's, you know, that's my name. But Yevgeny is... Yevgeny is sort of my formal Russian name, but really my Russian name is Zhenya. Zhenya? Yeah. What does that mean? Fuck master. <laughs> <laughs> Weird. The literal translation of Zhenya is fuckmaster. It's so odd. Your parents were very funny. I know. They had high hopes for you. Yeah, yeah, They exactly. <laughs> they were like, one day he will come to America and fuck people and tell jokes. And then you got here and said, who's this shoemaker guy who's doing the love master thing? Because yeah. I'm the fuckmaster. <laughs> yeah, I stole but, his essence. Yeah, but uh, you know that Dan Cook accused Steve Byrne of stealing his essence? And it's a really often. Oh, I think I did hear that. Isn't that interesting to hear somebody accuse somebody of stealing their essence? That's like something that would be very reasonable if it was a comic book, because that happens in comic books. <laughs> but it happens so much less in comedy. I think I'd rather see Dan Cook is, as a comic book character. Than is a, is Steve Burr? Is he? I you know the truth is I don't. You're know asking what, me, did he steal Dan Cook's essence? Yeah. Well, well, did he cast a spell? <laughs> no. Um. Did, is his is he at all similar? Like I don't even know Not if they're really. similar. It's just kind of a weird thing. The essence thing. I think the end of your movie when you go to Russia should be you coming upon a a, a large thicket of black currant bushes uh-huh. and crying. Yeah, sure. And saying, this is what I remember. Yes, I'd be like, this. Yeah. Maybe I'll go to that house. And drop to your knees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe I could even blow the black currant bushes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. depending on what, what direction we want to take the movie in. Well, I think that just spending time finding the black currant bushes cock would be very interesting. <laughs> and, 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 then, and that movie yeah. alone. Yeah, and deciding. Uh, yeah. What was its cock? Yeah. What was its yeah. sweet black currant? See, okay. I, I can do the abstract thing with you. Now, I know, and I can emote. This yeah. is really great. It's, I, I knew this would work out. Now I will tell a story about traveling with Eugene Merman, and mm-hmm. you can correct me if I'm wrong, and Andy Kinler, who I will hopefully have on this show soon. Andy Kinler puts together this tour. It's the Stand Uppity Tour. It was, it's with Mark Maron, Eugene Merman, and Andy Kinler. Now, I don't know if you know Andy Kinler, but uh, Andy Kinler is, like, I spent 11-hour 
stints in a car with Andy Kindler. And, and traveling with Andy Kindler, for those of you haters out there, is like traveling with the Jewish people, with the history of the Jewish people. And Eugene, so here, should I do the uh, the full on impressions and everything? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, okay, so uh, Andy's just kind of Jew. And and Eugene's this kind of Jew. Ba 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 ba. And 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 I'm this kind of Jew. All right. So that those that's what's traveling in this small rental car. And I just have to be honest with you. If like we, our first day when we, you know Eugene met me and Andy in Cincinnati, and if the people in Cincinnati did not have a clear idea of what a Jew was by our third visit to the Waffle House in Cincinnati. They had an idea. They they thought, well, they're apparently you know charming initially, become very irritating upon ordering. Uh, Andy, so here's what happened. So the first night we're there, Huge uh, is in a slight panic because he needs a, a screen to project his act on. So we're like, what do you mean a screen? He's like, I just need to go to a Target. And get a shower curtain. So, uh, right? Am I right? Yeah, yeah. Though so, what you're leaving out is not only do I have to project our act, my act, I have to project also a movie that, that that's from our sponsors. Like, I, we're, we're contractual. We all have to do it. What, well, who was our sponsor? 23.6. We used their yeah, money what to happened travel. To them? They went out of business okay. after they helped us travel around. Well, thank God we took this trip because – so we got to go to Target. It's like hours before showtime. So I go to the, the desk – at the Target, the, uh, the concierge or just a woman there. And I'm like, where's the Target? She's like, I have directions. Print it up because people apparently ask for the Target. So she gives us written directions to the Target. We get in the car. It's like 12 minutes away. It's like three exits down the highway. I've got a GPS. We've got a GPS in the car that I brought, my old GPS. And he's got a new cell phone that he doesn't – or an iPhone that he doesn't know how to work that has a GPS on it. And Eugene's holding – typed out directions. We are on the highway no less than maybe eight minutes and we're lost. I, you know, I got into one of those conversations with Andy. Uh, you know, it's probably uh, something about like who burned more bridges, me or you. And he's like, yeah, beep, 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 boop, boop. and I'm like, da, 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 da. and Eugene's like, I think we missed it. And so we're on the highway <laughs> and we're like, did we miss it? And there's construction. I'm like, what the fuck? And, 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 and Eugene's like, why don't you just put target into your GPS? So I didn't know I could do that. So I put Target in, but the Target that comes up on the GPS is like 45 minutes away. Because your GPS was from the 20s. Right. Okay. So now I've got the GPS from the 20s, and I'm like, well, where the fuck do we get off? And Andy's like, should I use my iPhone? I can put the iPhone in. The iPhone, the iPhone does this, right? Shouldn't that GPS work on the iPhone? Shouldn't it work? Should I call him? Maybe I'll call Target. Maybe I should just call Target. And they, I, I don't All right. So, so anyway, so I, I panic, and I'm like, fuck it. Let's get off here. So we get off and, you know, within minutes, we're in the woods. We're driving through Appalachia, all right? People, you know, men with beards are walking out of cabins, you know, curious about the machine we're driving. I've got the GPS set on the English woman voice because it makes, I feel it's passive aggressive and I like engaging with it. And, and it's literally telling me, because we're now heading towards a target that is God knows where. And um, it's sitting there, it's like, turn left now. And I, you know, in retrospect, they should really have an old Jewish voice on the GPS that goes, I think you missed it. I, I think, wait, all right, we'll see what happens. So I'm getting irritated and I'm like, what the fuck, man? This is ridiculous. We've got to be at the show. And, and Andy's like, take it easy, Mark. And Eugene's like, oh, no. And, and, and this is going on for like a half an hour. 
and we're driving through the mountains, you know, through a single highway. There's no other roads. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, after about 15 minutes of nothing, the GPS goes, turn right now. And I turn right onto a dirt road, and there's a lake in front of me. Water. And then without missing a beat, the GPS goes, board ferry. <laughs> it was... <laughs> It was the funniest thing because we had been lost at that point for like an hour, and all of a sudden it was like, and they were uh, fighting, and then all of a sudden, board, board ferry was, ferry. was, it was funny it, to us all. It was hilarious, and then we ended up going to some other place to get the the. No, we found a Target. Uh, wasn't it at a Lowe's or something? No, Lowe's wouldn't have that. We'd have to get a washing machine. But uh, so so huge. Yeah. Uh, what's happening now in the in the big career? Where can people get the uh, the Eugene Merman uh, catalog? Um, well, they can get it on the, on the internet. I mean, they can get it at Amazon. They can get it in stores. Um, books they can the, my book they can get at Barnes and Noble. Do you have a website that people I do? Could oh yeah, EugeneMerman dot com. Okay, that's, well, that's on. Well, that's important. Yeah. Um, one thing that I'm going to do I, uh, that I realized in my career as I was thinking like I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. And then I went, oh yeah, I'm going to go to Copenhagen for the UN Climate Change Conference. Really? Yeah, I'm going to go there um, for Grist dot org. Yeah, and uh, and cover it for them. I'm going to be like a comedy correspondent. You're very good at that. I I, uh, I appreciate the work you did during the campaigns. Thank you. And we oh, that's right. Were you ever able to use that suit we bought? Not yet. We were in where were we? Fargo. We were in Fargo, and we went to an army surplus store. Yeah, and I bought a giant uh, camouflage suit that's like leaves like fake or whatever it has moss on it it's yeah. like this outfit that makes you look like a black currant bush <laughs> <laughs> yes and i still haven't done anything with it but i have it and periodically i think about it sometimes you have to buy something and then because you... when i saw it i'm like this is at least 10 minutes for you that's what i thought too but not yet not yet. how can you not use that yet i just picture you sitting in a hotel room like That's, you do occasionally. I, I picture the same thing. And, um, you know, saying, I don't think anyone can see me. Do you want to, want to write it now? Like, what are some of the jokes you think? Um, I don't know. It, it, you know, it'd be like, I'll, I'll fix Iraq. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That could be one way. And yeah. then another could be like, I'm invisible. Yeah. I, so who knows? <laughs> a lot of it would, I'd have to. I think we just saw, uh, we just got a window into Eugene's process. Yeah. You buy yeah. the thing, and then you just put it on, and you see what comes out. Yeah, that is part of it. What's a, what's some of the great things that have happened to you uh, in relation to the work you've done? Well, this week, uh, um, the Village Voice uh, said that I was the best comedian. Yeah, in New York. Yeah, yeah, for this year. That the, used to be a pretty popular magazine. But I don't yeah, think yeah, anybody... too bad they didn't say it in 1965 <laughs> when that would have significantly helped me. No, I was proud of you. I thought that was that nice. Was, it was nice. You know, yeah. you, you've come a long way from when you uh, were only playing for a few people. With yeah, yeah. Stories. N- now I play for a few people, but those people are like, wow, he's totally playing for he's, us. He's good. Yeah, we love him. Yeah. He's our Buddha. He's um, our, yeah, what did you, I can't remember like years ago, didn't you do a story about Aerosmith or something? Like at Luna, about listening to Aerosmith? Or it's a, very possible. I grew up on Aerosmith. They were my first concert. The first concert I went to was Guns N' Roses opening for Aerosmith. Really? Yeah. How did that affect you? Made me uh, super rock and roll. Were you know. pretty rock and roll? No. I mean, I was a nerd. I was super awkward, nerdy, weirdo. Who liked heavy metal? I mean, and yeah. hard rock. I wasn't, I mean, 
I was of the time. But like when you were a kid, did you not fit in? Were you? Like... I would say I did not fit in. Um, but I was always weirdly. I don't know if if infamous or like people would pull over like cars in my hometown and be like, "There goes Eugene." Like I don't know what to even make of it. It was beyond <laughs> popularity or unpopularity. It was just the weirdest thing. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, I was just talking about it with a friend of mine. Um, It was the odd, and it's still, yeah, so so that used to happen, yeah. You just have that like that weird force of nature presence where you know, I guess as a child. I mean, it's not like people were like one day he'll be pretty funny. They were just like, what a weird like it. <laughs> it wasn't, and I wasn't even. It's not like I was goth or something. I think there was no like particular category. <laughs> Who would say this? Grownups? No, that would be awesome <laughs> if I was like. <laughs> Why is that guy who works? Yeah, there's Mr. Johnson. <laughs> yeah. There goes Eugene. Eugene. No, it was like kids, but sometimes they wouldn't always be from the town, but they'd generally <laughs> be from our town. Uh, and they would be often old, like a little older where it'd be like, how do they, like, why would you even know me? Like, how could you possibly know me? I don't even, I still don't know what to make of it. You'd have to ask one of those kids. And they would tell you. <laughs> but it was never prefaced with anything like, the weirdo, or the, it was just... It was just, yeah, it was, I mean... It was just, there goes Eugene? Yeah, I mean, and it happened, I don't know, like, I can't tell, like, it's hard to remember now. I mean, in my head, it ha- used to happen all the time, but maybe it was only, like, 20 times. But that's still a large number of times for people to pull over a car and yell your name and be like, who is that? And you're a kid. It's not like I'm on TV, you know? So, yeah, but I, so I was a super weirdo. Not super weirdo, but whatever. I was that sort of thing. And then my in 11th grade, I ran for senior class president. Yeah. And uh, and I sort of went from being very popular to sort of popular because it was such a ridiculous thing. But my friend thought of a slogan for me. And uh, and my slogan was, it's not just a change. It's a mutation. <laughs> <laughs> and I put up weird posters all over the school with like Nordic ruins shit that I wrote on it. Like it was really. It Did was you good. win? No, I lost, but I lost by like twenty points. Twenty points, twenty votes. I ran for senior class president in eleventh grade. It was like the end of eleventh, you know. Oh, for next year. Yeah, yeah, just like Obama ran. Yeah, just like that. Yeah, yeah. I was at the time the Obama of right. my school, right. and I lost. Except for he had always been super charismatic. Now, here I had an interesting email uh, recently about because I talked about you know high school and about. Uh, like I was never uh, a nerd. I was sort of a a free agent. Like I could right. uh, interact with both camps, mm-hmm. uh, you know, jocks and and what we would call nerds. But someone made this uh, interesting point about how like the jocks and the nerds were both very exclusionary. Right. That because that, I always assume like you know the jocks were just dicks. But this guy made a point in me saying like don't underestimate the dickishness of nerds which was basically his argument that they were insulated as well and also bullies. There were nerd bullies. And I I don't really have a a reference for that. But did you ever find that? I mean, I think that that's true. I think for me, I mean, I was vaguely a nerd, but but more just because of my cast. Yeah. Uh, And but, but, but really, I also had terrible grades. Like I was in lower level classes, not the lowest, but I also was in special ed. So I was like. I was in very low-level classes in special ed. You were in special ed? I was, yeah, but only for six years. Oh, that's good. So So it wasn't like it was from 6th to 12th grade. Now, what did the teachers say about you? Oh, my God. Here's a funny story about what the teachers said about me. My friend Alina just told me recently that in third grade, uh, our teacher 
told her to not be friends with me because I was a loser. And then his proof showed her my standardized test scores. (laughs) So how much of a loser must I have been for a teacher to intervene and go like, that kid's trouble. He's never going to be nothing. It's so crazy. And then another highlight was that in eighth grade, I I got a negative eight on something. So that's pretty what good. What did you do? Erase questions? I like <laughs> handed something in. I handed in, yeah, like my homework late after not like fixing it. Like you're supposed to collect. I, whatever I did when he'd finished the calculations, I got less than zero points. Like less than if I didn't hand it in. Oh, that doesn't even seem possible. Yeah, math teachers. <laughs> wow. I once got, uh, they wrote, they kicked me out of a private school once and they wrote my parents a letter saying, uh, we we recommend a boarding school or military school for Mark. Mark has the wrong kind of leadership qualities. Ah! <laughs> What's that? The wrong he's, kind. He's Hitler. Be careful. This that's, guy's going to take people right over the cliff. That's great that you do have leadership qualities, yeah. but they're the wrong yeah, kind. King like Lemming. an evil sorcerer. Yeah, exactly. Come with me. I will lead you to nowhere. <laughs> So we'll break a leg tonight and uh, have a good time, and uh, I really appreciate you coming by. Maybe we can do it again. Yeah, this was extremely fun. I will gladly come back. All right, Eugene Merman, eugenemerman.com. Talk to you later. Mark Maron. Mark Maron. Let me come. Eugene Merman. Bye. So I get an email from Evan. Hey, Mark, looks like Burger King's already onto your dad's idea. New locations will feature LCD screens showing content. Huh. Well, I'm looking at the article. Burger King gets edgy. Futuristic makeover. Edgy Burger King 2020 design tip of the day. And here's a picture with uh, the new Burger King with TV monitors. And I, you know what? We got to call my dad and tell him about this because it looks like they stole his uh, his idea. Can we get him on the phone? I'm Marin. Are you Marin? It's Mark Marin. Is this Dr. Barry Marin? How you doing, man? I'm all right. You? I'm doing great. What are you doing? I'm sitting here in Victoria Clinic seeing patients as usual. Oh, you have a patient in there right now? Nope. Oh. I just, I just, I just, I just is a... Uh, clinic it's just medical legal stuff what does that mean I, I, was, I was doing it once or twice a week then i moved it up to well i do i'll see all my patients here on saturday all those ones that need to be seen what does a loose clinic mean I mean it's all bullshit it's all bullshit <laughs> yeah it's so lawyer lawyer has a client who hurt his hurt this or that and, and the car accident and they send them over here for evaluation and treatment and I'm the guy that defines whether there's a real deal or a, or a no deal. But you play straight though, right? You you, de- you tell the truth. Yes, I do. All right, look dad, I got you know I, I was you know I was going over like our last uh, conversation about this idea with the video uh cameras in the fast food places. Oh, okay. And um uh it it looks like Burger King's already doing it. Oh, really? Yeah, I just got, like, someone sent me an article, and there's a big picture, and it's, like, this whole revised Burger King with all these, you know, a, a new, hipper look, and they have video screens, and bun-like seating is part of the appeal designed to attract the King's most loyal customers, it says, young men. So they've got these little areas where they have video screens. So I, I don't know, you know, what do we do about that? Do you think they stole it? <laughs> 
I got no patent. I didn't have any patent written up on it. I think they did something. Somebody came up with it, but they're not, but they're not doing those. See, um, what are they going to put on these screens? And where, where is the nearest one? Hold on, hold on. I'll tell you. They're they're going to put uh, uh, you know nutritional information in the comedy of Mark Maron. It says right here in the article. It's the weirdest <laughs> coincidence. I just can't. I can't imagine that this is coincidence. Can you? <laughs> no, no. They stole it. That's right. <laughs> You, you, were, you know, I, I think it's a great idea. I think, uh, I think you could do it. All, all it would take, you know, if you, if it got arranged, all it would take is one CD for the whole world every month. One CD for the whole world. I mean, all the places that have this program, yeah, would get a mailed out CD to put in to their to their uh, drives to, to for customers to look at it. So it'd be a new a new educational process every month, and they and you would sell it on the concept that it is going to all these places and you would get a passive income uh, of an annuity of a lot of money every month. Okay. All right. So do we, uh, do we work with this existing model at Burger King or do we, uh, do you want to get, get into a legal battle with them or I don't know how to handle it. No, I think, I think if you just, if you just set it up and just, just do it like we said to hell with Burger King, there's, there's, there's no, uh, I don't think anybody's doing what, I, what I've suggested. They wouldn't do it because they would be afraid to compete with their own uh, inadequacies. All right, so where does that leave our plan? I mean, if let's say we go to Wendy's and McDonald's and it's still the same idea, or do we do we just maybe bus stops? What do you think? <laughs> yeah, bus stops would be good. That's great. Uh-huh. You can put it in waiting rooms of the airports. You can put it in the, in the bus terminals. Bathrooms. Uh, Men's rooms. Yeah, that's right, man. Have it, have it so you can watch and... If you take a leak often enough, you can, you can really get to see a lot of shit. So people with prostate problems are going to be very well informed. That's right. Okay. Great. But don't forget your dad had prostate cancer, so you want to make sure... Are you my dad? Do you talk about your person? Did you just t- <laughs> mention yourself in the third person, like you were somebody else? Yeah, but just remember that you know, you're know you vulnerable for prostate cancer. Oh, great. Let me add that to the list. Okay. <laughs> Masturbation, does that help or hinder? No, I mean, it, it's, it's a plus. Oh, thank God. I, you know, if that's true, I don't think I'm going to get it. I think I'm going to beat this thing. Yeah, that's a pun. You, you're going to beat it. You're going to beat it to prevent it. That's great. Good. Oh, you should make a bumper sticker. That's the new business. I think that's a much more uh, reasonable idea than the video places at fast food places running things that they won't want to run in their place. You get it. What was it? You got to beat it to beat it to beat it. Beat it to beat it. Okay, and then just put, like, you know, uh, prostate cancer, and then we'll put your name, Dr. Marin, and then you yeah. get, okay. Beat it to beat it. Beat it to beat it. Prostate cancer, beat it to beat it. And you have, and you have, somebody, you have somebody stroking it, you know, on the, on the bumper sticker. That, that, that go over big, especially in California. Yeah, why especially in California? <laughs> <laughs> they got that fattest mentality. Every, that, that, that'll work. Okay. All right. Well, I'm, I'll make note of that, especially in California. So we'll focus that on that. But clearly, clearly, uh, you 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 are the winner. I mean, you're sitting in the loose clinic in Victoria doing you know legal examination. So how, they can't take anything away from you, Pop. You nope. you are the you, you're your own man. That's right. Yeah. I, tempted, I, I testified yesterday. I was tempted to ask the system. I said, "How can you people, as educated barristers?" You know, on, on the, using the extension of the original Old English philosophy of law 
how can you sit there and chase ambulances and make a profit out of it when, when 99% of the people that you represent as a plaintiff attorney don't need you to begin with. They only need you to make money, and their complaints cannot be proven to be valid. What, what, kind, of, what, kind, of, what kind of heinous farce is that, that that allows this to happen? How come the courts allow such a thing? I was going to say that. Under, I was waiting for an opening to say that, but I never had it. Yeah, you kept it to yourself? Yeah, I kept it to myself. Huh. Well, that's good. Heinous farce. I like that. <laughs> I think that's going to be the name of my next CD. So, oh, you got a patient? Hey, real quick, uh, swine flu vaccine, yay or nay? Nay. Why? Because it's got squalene in it, S-Q-U-A-L-E-N-E. Okay. Squalene squalene sensitizes people who are susceptible to autoimmune diseases. That's all the bad ones. Multiple sclerosis. Oh, yeah? Ulcerative colitis, rheumatoid arthritis. In other words, if you're taking vitamin D, 5,000 units a day, you should not need to get a flu shot. Okay. All right. Okay, I'm on it. So what, you got a patient there? No, no, I'm all right. All right. Hold on. Uh-oh. He just said I have a good-looking son. That... What did you say? Yeah. Beautiful girl here. Oh, yeah? Yeah, one of the nurses' daughters came in to see her. Well, that's good that you're not sexually inappropriate. You just pawn her off on me. <laughs> I think that's pretty good. That's restraint. <laughs> no, I can't. I, 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 I get hit on a lot, so it's, I, I don't do that. It, it's, it's, it's unethical and almost illegal to, to screw around patients. You can't do that. Almost illegal? I think that, that that seems like a slippery slope there. Almost illegal? Yeah, well, people do it, but it's, it's wrong. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm proud of you. That's, I've never done that. Good. Oh, well, that's good. That's good for you. You get a gold star today. And, you know, just keep the heinous farce thing to yourself. We'll keep that between us. All right, I love you. I'll see you next weekend. You're going to be around? Yeah, let us know. So we'll go out for dinner again. you like that restaurant? Yeah, Mexican food's good. Let's go gamble. I want to start that addiction. No, you don't want to do that. Okay, you're right. Scratch that. Yeah, scratch Okay, we'll do something else. All right, Did, 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 did you record all this? Yeah, it's all on tape, and we won't use anything that implicates you. I love you. Bye. Bye. All right, folks. I know, uh, you know, we're back uh, in New York, so I know many of you have been waiting for uh, for the return of Matthew. You and don't we... say it like that, Mark. Many have been waiting, I'd like to think, genuinely. Yes. Just no, respect I, them. I, all right. Well, listen, I got, well, I got an email oh. about you. Uh-oh. And it says, what the fuck? Pass your man card up to the front. That list is like a bad marriage encounter group session. <laughs> that list you read about me when you wrote. I've, I've forgotten that. What was that? Wait. All I need was to smell incense and hear new age music in the background. You sound like a 30-ish housewife who traded her career for hubby and kids and now is pissed off. But Matthew still is very, very funny. That's from Nan. I suppose that was a snip fit. Dude, what have you been doing? What have I been doing? Yeah. It's good to see you. It's good to see you, too. It was, I don't want it was, to... You know, it was good not seeing you, and, and now it's good seeing you. Well, that's the thing. Is like I had this moment where I was... Uh, I wondered when I got back, is it going to be good to see Matthew? And, and you know, given what we've been through, I, I was on the fence about it either way. Sure, I sure. Because I, I find that, like, yes, I want to see him, but... Uh, but uh, gonna be it's gonna be difficult because you're gonna be like distanced and fucking weird and me i'm distanced and fucking weird. a little bit no no oh, it's me yeah it's definitely you but so what we did 
is that I went to see by myself or with my friend uh, Stosh, I went to see uh, where the wild things are. Well, so I uh, wanted to do a movie segment with Matthew because Matthew is a movie guy. And um, I'm a lot of things guy, but yeah. movies, one of them. Yeah. And, you know, but you come from a different uh, camp than I do. You know, you are the uh, go ahead, Mark. Pigeonhole me. Go for it. OK. Make, make it easier to understand me. You're a, you're a film snob. You're a, a there we go. Hyper educated in film. You uh, is there a is there a comma between hyper and educated? You, no, it's a dash. Okay, and you uh, you you will sit and tolerate movies that are relatively unbearable to most people. In the and name by of, most people, you mean you in the name of art, right? No, in the name of trying to feel one with the universe, everything that you strive for, in the name of wanting to feel relief, in the name of wanting to feel connected. And the, okay, okay. You know? No, I'm not begrudging you because like, I, I've been there. You know, I, I I'm know sorry, I thought, you were, I thought you were begrudging me. No, I, I've been the guy that's sort of like, you know, even though this movie is difficult, I really appreciate it. Like, I'm a guy I like the movie uh, Safe by Todd Haynes. That's every, one of my all-time favorite movies. Okay, so we understand each other. But given that... I understand after, you. Given that... <laughs> do you? Oh, yeah. Given that I knew that about you and I saw where the wild things are, I'm like, I want to see this again with Matthew because I think this thing is genius. I think it's a real art film. I think it's deep. I think he handled the material in a way that no one could have imagined. Uh, it, it's metaphoric. It's symbolic. It is beautiful to look at. I'm a big fan of Spike Jones. I'm really curious to see what Matthew has to say about this. And Brendan. Well, thank you, Mark. Let me just say. Brendan you. saw it as well. Okay. So we go to the movies and. And uh, what what I feel about it is that it's a unique film. It's a masterpiece. It's and you fell asleep the second time. Mm -hmm. I was there the second time. I leaned over to say, "Can I have some of that popcorn?" Like, what? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, dude. I'm sorry. And like, well, you don't have to apologize to me. Feel free to nap. You know, it was kind of boring. No, it wasn't. Yeah, I sure, had seen Mark, it once you fell asleep. So I, that was the second time I saw it. Okay, and, and yet it didn't stand up. Today. I've been going through a lot lately. Okay, I'm Have having. You? Yes. I can't tell. I've been having some trouble. What? All right? You? Yeah. All right. So you said it was boring. Now I don't understand where you get off in saying that movie is boring. Being someone who is tolerant of films that take time to process, yeah. that you were able to dismiss the work that 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 was there. Look, I've seen uh, right now at the moment is playing uh, Satan's Tango, which is a seven-hour movie, and I swear to you, after three and a half hours of that movie, I was clamoring for more there's an intermission and they showed the second half the next day i was ready to go just because a movie is long doesn't make it boring this movie while it had a lot of good things in it and i really wanted to like it and and i appreciate its sort of attempt i think it fell prey to a little bit of preciousness and a little bit of you know like i get a little bit it's of resentment. a children's book it is yeah the book is a children's book and this is a movie by adults trying to sell back to you your own childhood. That's bullshit. All right. This is why I'm going to say. This is my... Here's Brendan my nodded. Yeah, I nodded at Mark saying that's bullshit. Oh, okay. This was my, this was my impressions. When, and I didn't even know who the voices were until you told me and ruined the movie for me. I didn't know anything Wait, about that it. that ruined the movie? So now the movie's ruined? No. I just knew. It's I bad was, movie. I was aware of it. Okay. Uh, it, the first time I saw it, all I was bringing to the table was that I like Spike Jones for a couple of reasons. The movie Mustaches on the Beastie Boys. No, I have no idea about that. I didn't know he did that. I, I knew his Fonzie work. dancing. No, Weezer. I didn't know that either. Those are all awesome. 
but I I knew he worked with the with the Jackass guys. But uh, I, adaptation. There is a sequence. That movie I like. There's a sequence in adaptation of a car accident that I thought was the most visceral, disturbing few minutes of cinema that I'd seen in a long time. I feel that Spike Jones has an incredible feel for a camera and making what you're watching alive in a very deep way. Like the entire frame is just resonating with a, a sort of like frenetic electricity. And the opening of where the wild things are, where, where you just see that kid chasing that dog, and then the freeze mm-hmm. frame, I was mm-hmm. like, I am so fucking in. And then how he very quickly, within about 15 minutes, set the scene that establishes you know, the... I the, hate all that shorthand, emotional wait, The, the home notes. life. That, I don't think that's what it was. I think that he was figuring out a way to, to lay down in a reality frame the dynamics that the kid was living with. The kid was a, a bright, you know, angry kid, a very emotional kid, an isolated kid, who lived in a, a, a divorced home with a, with a loving mother who was obviously under her own stress. And then for, I don't want to be a complete spoiler, but I don't think there is a way to spoil it. He, he, yeah. he has an episode, uh, storms out of the house, and then enters this world of the wild things, which we are all familiar with as, as, as we are uh, adults who have, I'm sure, read this book at some point. Yeah, but and you, the okay. first experience I had when he entered that world with the wild things is that all you see is is moving shapes, and then you hear the voices of adults having a, a conversation that is fragmented and and unclear. And then you enter this almost archetypal, symbolic world of these of these animal figures. Of these, they, they become uh, you know mythic creatures that we all are familiar with in our childhood. But what they began to symbolize in the film was, to me. They began to symbolize, you know, all adult voices uh, from the perspective of a seven-year-old and also all the voices that he hears in his own heart and his own mind and the feelings that he experiences. So the fact that there was no real story uh, in the movie that was just a lyrical movement through through grown-up feelings and uh, conflicting with child feelings and, and, you know, seeking resolution through these these animals and these, these mythic creatures to me was was unbelievable it was poetry even seeing it a second time despite the fact that i fell asleep it 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 brought me in deeper that the representations of these things were were the way he visualized his own feelings and also received the feelings of adults it's like a paint by numbers emotional sort of freudian mythical kind of i don't know it just it seems cheap and it seems reductive and it seems shallow to I, you but see i think that yeah, you're you're mistaken the simplicity uh, that you're uh, attributing to it uh, uh, as something that you think has been done again and again, but I personally have no, never not done seen again it. And again, I've never seen it. I don't know what you would, how anyone could say it's a a, a hackneyed Freudian mythological. Well, each of the creatures is some sort of element that he has to come to grips with from inside no, that's, himself. That's, not that's true. bullshit. Yeah, total bullshit. And and he's actually what? this he's girl actually, is his sister. He, the guy that's, is that's him. wrong. No, no he's more even than that. said that. Oh, that's not that. That's not true. Uh-huh. Spike Jones has said there's no. This guy is the lion this guy is the scarecrow this guy is the tin man it's that these things are it's you know mark had it on the nose that it's everything inside of him and everything of things that that represent the outside world to him the way kids do that right but it's in a maudlin sentimental and at the same time too intellectual sort of way yeah but you but see the thing is is that you the music was great no but you you're contextualizing it as as an intellectual no, and, and yes you are and, no, you're, I'm not. and you're minimizing it in a way that yes, I am. that the context you're judging it by seems to be uh arrogance and i think that what, Wait, what you're missing, i'm judging it what let's go to that eight hour movie that you like so much satan's tango so you it's playing t- at the moment this week 
So you can, uh, you know, tell your friends that, you know, you don't like the wild things. You know, I worked on this movie, actually, and I, I really appreciate what Spike Jones wanted to do with this movie and his and his sort of take on life. Were you the bull character? Uh, no, I actually did a couple of uh, days. Now, he was of, one of the characters they cut out because it was too confusing and pedantic. What were you saying? Go ahead. No, you finish. <laughs> <laughs> there were some couple great images. Him on the sea, that was but what, great. What did you do on the movie? Because we waited till to see your name in the credits. And yeah, I only did a couple days of, uh, you know, they had to do a lot of recasting. Uh, my friend Tom Noonan was originally played the, the big chicken guy, and uh, he had me come in and do some ADR booming. I was just uh, in there with him and Lauren Ambrose on a couple days and James Gandolfini. Oh, you talked to Gandolfini? Oh, yeah. He was awesome. It what, was it was what? the best being in the room with him. What I mean, you, first I, of all. I didn't know it was him. I really didn't know it was him the first time I saw Well, he him. made a real effort to not do like Tony Soprano. And, and, and I even heard Spike Jones come up to him and say, you know, there's a little Tony Soprano. Can you do a little less, a little less Tony? And he goes, oh, yeah, sure, sure. Uh, uh. No, no, he was good. He was really great. And in fact, since there's no actors in the room, they're just playing playback. Yeah. And he's trying to do voices. He would look at me. And do his lines to me. So as an actor, I was just like, this is fucking awesome. And there's some ones where he's getting mad. And I'm like, Tony Soprano, it's going to fucking shoot me. It, he was looking right at me. And I'm just like going like, please don't hurt me, sir. <laughs> and then there's another part where they're doing the rumpus. And he has to run around. And he's yeah. like, he's like sort of shadow boxing. He's like, hey, listen, I'm going to do this thing. You know, don't tell me if it's okay. I'm going to do this thing. I'm like, do whatever you want, man. Yeah, yeah. And he... He starts jabbing me in the balls, like, douche, douche, like with his like fake punches, and he's trying to punch me, and he's like ducking around. I'm trying to chase him with the mic to get his voice. Yeah. Uh, that was the best part of that movie to me, is, is chasing around James that's, Gandolfini around an ADR studio. That's a pretty good part to me, too, Brendan. Yeah. yeah, but did you guys he, never saw that part, so I can't even talk to you about that. Did, but, but, the, but the truth is, it sounds like he, by doing that shadow boxing and that, he was, it was too simplistic. He should, it was, he really wasn't getting at the core uh, of what human emotion Well, is. I can tell you what, uh, Spike Jones, awesome, nice guy, doesn't know the first thing about working with actors, from, from what I could observe. Well, I, uh, in, in closing here, I found that the movie uh, is something that you can develop a personal relationship with and will resonate with your own, you know, adult emotions and your childish emotions. And there's a lot of space to work with there. And it was, yeah, if I, you can't really remember what your own childhood was like, and you'd like to sort of recapture some sort of feeling that's been numbed over the years. I didn't have that experience at all. I mean, I didn't, I, it didn't, it didn't make me think of my childhood. It didn't even, you know, I didn't, it didn't even come into my mind. Well, maybe you blacked it out. No, I, I know maybe exactly that was the part while you were child- sleeping. No, it was. I know exactly what my childhood was, but I didn't feel imposed upon by this movie to address that. Well, in I, any I envy way. you. Well, you should. Brendan? Finally, I do. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm looking up Ozu films on here. I got to get my next Netflix queue lined up. Well, I think this was uh, a How about a Carl Dreyer? You into Carl Dreyer? Yeah, I saw uh, the Joan of Arc movie. That was terrific. That's a good one. Yeah. Gertrude? Yeah. No? I, no, the Joan of Arc movie. Look, I, you enough. know, when I like a movie, I like it to either be totally stupid and yeah. blockbustery. Yeah. Or actually intelligent and deep and something that can... It really changed my life. Sure. I'll cry or, at an or, episode of Star Trek. You know, I'll cry at, I'll be moved by cheesy things. Look, but I, I think this one straddled that fence in a way I, that I wanted to like, but it just couldn't look, push the, me over the edge. The, if that make me a, an awful human being, so I, be it. It's up to the listeners <laughs> at this point. I think we know exactly where you stand on this movie. It couldn't be clearer. And, and I certainly apologize. I kind of liked it, though. I liked it. It was good. I, what? It was a good movie. I like this movie. I, I think that if you took any of this personally, you know, I apologize. Me? I, I no, think I, we, no, I don't take this personally. All right, so this has been, uh, I guess what we'll call this is a, a, a movie segment, but I, I think we need to really take a break and have a group hug. Let's sleep in a real pile. 
Well, that's our show. Uh, Matthew, Brendan, and myself just spent a couple hours in a, in a real pile. And I, I, I think we feel better because of it. I want to thank uh, Eugene Merman. That was a pleasure talking to him. And, of course, my father. And, of course, Brendan McDonald on the board making this all work. If you want to engage in anything What The Fuck related, go to WTFPod.com. There's merch. There's a link to our Twitter, our email, the podcast. Enjoy! And I want to thank you people for listening. I'll talk to you next What The Fuck.